Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man, and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Amen. You may be seated. Father in heaven, now as we spend just a few minutes considering the gift of your beloved Son, we would ask that you would come by the power of the Holy Spirit and that you would minister to us through this, your word. Know each and every one of our hearts in this room and what it is that we need. And would you portion out to us graciously all that we need from your truth carried along by the Holy Spirit. Illumine now this your word and shine it deep into the recesses of our heart that today the testimony of our life would be that we have met with the living God and we are forevermore changed. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I found out yesterday that some dear friends of, of mine actually had a little baby girl. What a wonderful thing it is to have a child at Christmas time. It was just a handful of weeks ago now, we in the Sheridan household were actually recounting some of our, our favorite gifts at, at Christmas. And uh, the most noble among us, dear Luke, reminded us that the best gift ever given to us was little Lila three years ago. Indeed, that is true. There is just something special, isn't there, about a baby at, at Christmas time. It's easy to get sentimental, actually, at Christmas time, isn't it? It doesn't take uh, much, whether it's listening to, to music or recounting stories or thinking about uh, little, uh, round, beautiful, newborn baby faces. Uh, why is it, however, that as we look at the text of Scripture, that the Scripture cuts through the sentimentality and it gets to the depth of the truth of the need for you and me? What we most need is pictured for us in the Scriptures at Christmas time the need for a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Today, as we look at Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, I want to reflect in this text in 
in really the greatest need of our lives, what it is that really marks the true celebration of the Christian at Christmas time. And that is a miraculous new birth and a remarkable new beginning. A miraculous new birth and a remarkable new beginning. Recounting the angel's announcement here in Matthew chapter 1, Matthew tells us that the miraculousness of this birth of the Lord Jesus Christ comes from the fact that no man played a part. That this child that is formed in this inside of Mary is, we're told twice in this text, from the Holy Spirit. As wild as it sounds to our ears, Jesus Christ is fathered by God the Holy Spirit. Now, how did this happen? I mean, exactly. I want to know the specifics. Well, let's be careful. Let's not venture off into speculation. We are handling the scripture after all. And it is wise when considering the scripture to always stay within the boundaries of revelation. To even honor, so to speak, the mystery of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. I say that, of course, to tell you we don't know exact relation between the spirit of God and the biological realities of Mary's body. What the scripture, however, makes plain is the fact that this birth is unlike any birth in all of human history. This birth did not begin with a man. In this one birth, God the Spirit forms the eternal Son of God into a human being in the womb of the Virgin Mary. It's this wonderful and mysterious work of the Holy Spirit that the scholars call the incarnation, the enfleshment of the Son of God. What we need to be asking on Christmas Eve as we prepare for the celebration of the coming of the Christ child is why did God go to all this trouble? Why did he go to all of this trouble? And of course, the answer is to get us out of trouble. That's the reason. We've been studying here at Cornerstone for the last several weeks, the beginning of the Gospel of Matthew. And Matthew begins in, in what we might consider as modern readers, not so much a riveting form. He begins with a list of names, a genealogy in the first 17 verses. And when we go back to those 17 verses in Matthew chapter 1, what we learn is that we can trace the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ all the way back to David. Yes, that David, King David. And we can trace it all the way back to Abraham. Yes, that Abraham, the one of Genesis chapter 12. The one where God came to him and formed a covenant and told him that he would, through Abraham, make his name great. Through his son, who would grow into a large family, who would become a great nation, and that through his seed, all of the families of the earth would be blessed. 
And this remarkable story of the story of Abraham is a part of the lineage of, of Matthew 1, 1 through 17. But not just this great story of Abraham, this tremendous covenant which God made with him at the beginning of that wonderful story of redemption. But later in the story of the Old Testament, we're told that this son and this lineage through Abraham will be a king. It will come from the tribe of Judah. That this great seed that has been promised will be a son of David. He will rule and he will reign with equity. He will judge all the peoples with righteousness. His throne will be established forever. With every son born from the line of Abraham and the line of David throughout the Old Testament, do you know what the people of God were wondering? They were wondering, is this the one? Is this the one? Is this the promised one? Is this the seed? Is this the Messiah, the one on whom our hopes have been set? And as we studied for several weeks the genealogy of Matthew, we learned that apart from a couple of bright spots, the story of the genealogy of Jesus is really a sad and disappointing one. Tales of disbelief and duplicity. We can't forget Isaac and Jacob, can we? Tales of cowardice and corruption. Kings like Rehoboam and Ahaz. Tales of subterfuge and sexual scandal. Who could forget Judah and Tamar and David and Bathsheba? Yes, with every birth and with every name that's listed in the genealogy of Jesus, it marks for us an early expectation that would then dim into disappointment. No, this is not the one. Neither is that one the one. Oh, Lord have mercy, it's definitely not him. And mercy the Lord actually has for us. For as we turn the page from the Old Testament into the New Testament, we have a new birth. A birth not just of, a, of another child being born, but a new birth all together. A birth of an entirely different kind of order. To quote Dan Doriani, Jesus is from the line of David, but praise be to God, he's not from the flesh of David. No, Israel has a true king now in Jesus. One who is a fearless leader, who will love and follow his father no matter what, who will resist every temptation, who will be willing to sacrifice to the uttermost to save those who are his people. With every birth, with every name, that is ink-stained in the genealogy of the Old Testament, no man measured up until the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Matthew teaches us that we should suspect the case as we read the Old Testament. Salvation won't come from flesh and blood, not men through ordinary generation. No, that's not where salvation will come. Certainly it must come from God. If salvation is to come, it must come from God, from God who in love takes up flesh and blood 
in order to save flesh and blood like you and me. You see, Matthew makes an emphasis here that this birth is like none other. In fact, he reveals to us a grand reversal from all the deceit and the deception and the sexual scandal that marked the genealogy. Notice that now we have a pure birth. A birth that comes from the Holy Spirit. The one who has been making the Son of God into man. Jesus Christ, who is the God-man like no other. This new birth is what we've come to celebrate, you see. It's not just the cuteness of round newborn baby faces. It's not the sentimentality of the glow of a manger and the lowing of sheep in the background. It's not the imaginations that tend to run wild that Matthew actually indicates for us here. It's that we have a birth like none other. A birth that is worth the celebration of the world itself. And this new birth marks a new beginning. A remarkable new beginning. You see, Matthew knows that Jesus' birth is, is really not the end, so to speak. But it's a new birth that is for new births. It's not some just divine fireworks show where God is saying to us, look what I can do. No, this new birth is the beginning of our new birth, so to speak. It's the beginning of a new world. It should have struck you as odd when we read verse 18 in Matthew chapter 1 a second ago. If we had stopped and, and pondered it and considered the whole content, undoubtedly it would have. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. That's how Matthew starts his retelling. And then as you read through Matthew verses 18 through 25, what is fascinating is you're forced to reckon with the fact that Matthew really doesn't tell you the birth story at all. He doesn't tell you anything about Bethlehem. He doesn't tell you anything about mangers or shepherds. There's no newborn baby cry in this passage. Rather, Matthew tells you the news, the shocking, mind-blowing news that Mary has been found with child from the Holy Spirit. It makes us wonder then, doesn't it, why does Matthew say he's telling us about the birth when he's not exactly telling us about the birth? Well, the word for birth there in verse 18 can, if the context demands it, be translated just as your English text translates it. It can be translated as birth. But it is the Greek word genesis. It's a word that actually means beginning. This is the beginning, so to speak, of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the, the origin of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in fact, you're used to the, the word that we usually say in relationship to the Greek word genesis, and you can probably hear it in the pronunciation, it's the word genesis. This is the genesis of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the beginning of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'd suggest that that's the very heart of what Matthew's trying to get across, is not just that this is a birth, but that this is a new beginning. That this is the new Genesis. Well, how does he 
let us know this. Well, he gives us several clues in this text, just two that we're going to consider. He gives us the presence of the Holy Spirit, and he gives us the promise of Emmanuel. Presence of the Holy Spirit and the promise of Emmanuel. Twice in this gospel haven't we been told that this birth is from the Holy Spirit. But, well, maybe you'll remember in Luke's account. You remember in Luke's account, verse 35 of of Luke chapter 1, how it's described, this conception. Well, the angel comes and speaks to Mary and says that the Holy Spirit will come Upon you. And the, the, the mighty one will overshadow you. That's the language of the text. I just want to ask you, when was the first time we saw the Holy Spirit overshadow? Did we ever see him overshadow in, in the scripture? If you could go back in the, you know, the catalog of your, your mind, back to maybe the very first time that you ever read of the Spirit of God in the Scripture. Do you know where it is? Yes, you do. In Genesis, in Genesis, that's right. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, you'll read these words. In the beginning, yes, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and the darkness was over the face of the deep and the spirit of god was hovering over the face of the waters now you can imagine there at the beginning of that primordial uh, creation this this imagery of a of a bird of a bird that's hovering over its young its its nascent life feeding it nurturing it, caring for it, bringing it, so to speak, to life. The genesis of creation is echoed here in Matthew's retelling and in Luke's retelling of what's taking place in the womb of the Virgin Mary. We don't have, as it were, the beginning of time. We have the re-beginning of time. The redemption of time. The Savior of the world has come. And He has come initially without, so to speak, form. And in a sense, in the voidness of an empty womb. And in the darkness of the deep of Mary, the Spirit of God hovers. He hovers. And he brings to life a re-beginning, a start over, a redemption, a new genesis. Yes, that's what Matthew is telling us. That's what Luke is telling us, that this Holy Spirit forming the Son of God into a human being, bringing forth lungs and, and legs, bringing forth heart and, and hands. That growing within Mary is the beginning of the new world. And what is this new world? Without renewed fellowship with God Himself, 
You know, just centuries later, that language of the Spirit of God and overshadowing, we'll see again. You know, when we see it, we see it at the creation of the tabernacle. When the Shekinah glory of God comes down in a cloud and it overshadows the tabernacle, it, it dwells with, later within the temple. The Spirit of the living God coming to do what? To dwell with his people. What does John tell us at the beginning of his gospel? That the word became flesh and tabernacled among us, Dwell, dwelt among us, that the glory cloud of the Old Testament, the spirit of the living God comes down and dwells with his people. Here in the womb of the Virgin Mary is the testimony of what the Old Testament calls the Emmanuel Principle, that we have been longing ever since the beginning of the world to once again be with God. <coughs> For at the beginning of the world, you remember something went terribly wrong. Adam and Eve, in the eating of the forbidden fruit in the, in the garden, were exiled from the presence of the Lord. Were sent out from paradise and sent out from his presence east of, of Eden, full of, uh, of shame, full of estrangement, strangers now to God. And the whole of the Old Testament has been pursuing the reunion, another beginning with Adam and with Eve, with God's people. And when we turn the page to Matthew, we see that the prophet Isaiah, who saw it years ago, from afar is now up close and personal in the gospel of Matthew that behold the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel. God with us as a sign that we are recovering what was lost at the beginning of time. That a new beginning is needed. That when Adam and Eve hid in the garden from God as he walked there in the cool of the day. We now have God coming and so to speak, hiding himself in plain sight, dwelling first in the recesses of Mary's being and then walking among us cloaked in the reality of flesh. Why? That we might have a new beginning, a new birth, for a new beginning. The recovery of the great loss of all of human history is underway. In Jesus Christ, we once again have God with us. And I will say, the spirit of the Advent season and the true celebration of Christmas cannot be known unless the Jesus Christ who has come into the world has come into your heart. You see, that name, Jesus, it's not just a name. It's a mission. Jesus means he who saves. And every single one of us in this room knows that what we need is not a new generation or another birth. What we need is a birth of a new kind. 
And what we need is not a turning over of a new leaf or a resolution. We need a new beginning that can come from someone who will save us from ourselves. Christmas and the story of Christmas is the beginning of that new beginning. And today for all of those who have trusted in Jesus Christ alone for salvation, as he is offered in the gospel, the advent of the Lord Jesus Christ has accomplished its purpose. For he has came into the world to save sinners. Of which can we not all say, we are the foremost. The good news of great joy, yes, it will be for all people in whom the Lord is pleased. Today, trust in the Lord Jesus Christ alone for your salvation as he is offered in the gospel. And you will know the power of the new birth and the new beginning that never ends until we get to the heavens and we see him for who he is. And we are forever God with us. Father in heaven, we pray that this rich truth of your servant Matthew would become a true reality in the life and the heart of all of us this day. That the news of Christ's birth would be for us good news of great joy that is indeed for all the people. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.